This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So are you reading Ben Graham's The Intelligent Investor yet? Did you go order it off of Amazon or get it at your Barnes & Noble? I still love it and I'm still reading it, but I know many of you don't have time. I mean, it is 600 pages after all. So I'm reading it for you and summarizing the key themes in this series of podcasts this summer. And some of them are really interesting. Now, I, I didn't really intend to read like each chapter and do a podcast on on each one or anything, but the first chapter kind of goes along with some things that are happening in the stock market right now. So this podcast is basically going to be on just like the very first chapter, which is on investment and versus uh, speculation. So investing versus speculating is the first chapter. And um, like I said, some real life events are happening in the stock market right now that makes it very relevant to discuss this. So I didn't really read that much further along, but the second chapter is on um, investing for inflation, which I was kind of like, what, what? Like that sounds kind of that sounds kind of boring to me, just based on the chapter headlines. But we'll see, and I'll be covering any interesting tidbits in that chapter. I might have to combine a couple chapters with that one um, to get something interesting out of it. But nevertheless, I'll be continuing reading. So, but this week, okay, so we're on. Back to the main theme that I talked about in the very first podcast about this book, and that is the being an investor versus being a speculator. So as you know, uh, being a value investor today, we are basically open to being mocked or ridiculed by those in the growth investing environment. And that has been happening to me more often recently on Twitter or on StockTwits. So on StockTwits, this is uh, some real life events that have just been occurring. So I'm not really quiet about stocks on the social media platforms, as those of you who follow me know. And I will talk about a stock that I feel is absurdly overpriced or just, you know, it's outrageous what people are paying for it. Uh, based on fundamentals, at least. And Beyond Meat is one of those. And I think most growth investors actually agree with me that Beyond Meat is absurd, yet the party still goes on and some people are are trading it. They're not investing in it at this point, I, I don't think. Uh, I should hope that nobody really is investing in it, but they're just trading it. And another company that I've been pretty vocal about the last several years as well about valuations is Shake Shack. So the ticker that with that one is S-H-A-K. And this is the upscale burger chain started in New York City. It's been slowly rolling out across um, North America, but now it's international. They opened one in London a couple of years ago. That worked really well. And now they've been going gangbusters in by licensing out the brand in Mexico City. They're in Singapore now. They opened somewhere in mainland China And that works so good. I think they're going into Beijing now, so I'm not sure where that first one was. But those are doing really well, and they're seeing a lot of these big gains um, overseas. So because of all these positive things, this um, stock in the beginning – let me step back. In the beginning, when it went IPO a couple of years ago – A lot of people bought in because they had gone to that New York Shake Shack that's kind of iconic. People love 
the burgers and the brand. And they thought, because we get it all the time here in New York, other people will want to get it all the time in Chicago or LA and all these other places. So the stock soared on the IPO, but it's a competitive market out there. And just because you have a hot brand in one city in the restaurant world doesn't mean it's going to translate into other cities who also have their own hot brands. So for instance, when Shake Shack went into Los Angeles, it already has, you know, in and out Burger, Umami Burger. Those are just two off the top of my head that are like the local chains, not to mention Habit, which started in Santa Barbara. And all of those are entrenched chains there that if I have a choice on a burger, I have a lot of choice. So I may not be choosing Shake Shack in the same way. But that being said, um, they, they have rolled out the brand in many different cities now and countries. and But the stock price started off real hot and then it's, it, it wasn't. <laughs> A lot of those hot restaurant IPOs I've covered on the podcast before were hot, now aren't. And a lot of the burger ones especially. And it um, you know sank for a couple of years there. But by the end of 2018... It was looking like maybe the worst was over in terms of the share decline. And now, year to date, the shares are have come back. They've rebounded with a vengeance as all of the traders have jumped back into this one, and they're up 83% year to date. So that's great for those who are playing the chart. And if you're trading it, you're looking pretty good, right? But some of the traders on StockTwits have been calling me out, especially this week, saying I was, quote, wrong to be so negative on the stock over the last year or two because I have tweeted out that the valuations were crazy. So even the valuations after the stock had sold off for a couple of years uh, were still, you know, not absurd, but very high for someone like me a value investor who is wondering like how much am i paying to get these sales so th- at the at the low point at the end of last year at the end of 2018 so fourth quarter of 2018 its uh lowest valuation was at 59 times earnings this is just on the pe uh, you know looking just at pe but in, instead of admitting that, you know, they, they were speculating in the stock, that they were trading it, which is fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that because if that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing. They tried to argue the fundamentals with me. Um, they tried to get into the argument that I was wrong on the fundamentals. So let's talk about that a little bit. As a value investor, this is what you're going to encounter. And um, Shake Shack did have a solid second quarter. Their same-store sales were up 3.6%. That's better than what they've done recently. They were up only, I think, 1.1% the year before. This number for same-store sales does look over the 24-month period, so two years of uh, the store has to be in operation for, or the restaurant in this case. And this was on 74 of the shacks. And last year's number was on 50 of the shacks. So in that year period, 24 of the shacks are now operating for 24 more months um, versus a year ago. So it's good to have a bigger metric here for the same store sales. They're also going to be opening 38 to 40 of the domestic shacks uh, this year, and 
18 to 20 of the licensed ones, which are mostly international, um, also this year. So they, they've said, like, our growth is huge. They're opening up a ton of the shacks. My problem was the same store or same shack sales, as they call them, weren't that great up until even this quarter. This quarter was one of the better ones I can remember. Um, and the brand is strong. So I'm you know, not negative on anything that they're doing with the Shake Shack brand. I know a lot of the teens are big into Shake Shack and will seek it out. So why am I being negative then on Stock Twits um, if it does have these good fundamentals? And yes, the shares are up 83%, but... It's because they now have a forward PE of 147. So that seems, um, you know, pretty high for something like this. They're expected to make 62 cents a share this year. And for me, I have to ask Benjamin Graham's questions, right, of being what it takes to be an investor. So remember his first tip from the introduction was you are buying the business, not the chart. So as an investor, I have to look at what is this business. Now, I just gave kind of a brief overview of what the business is, and that all sounds really good. So buying the business doesn't seem to be an issue with Shake Shack. But then I'm going to get to the question of, um, his other tip of how much, how much am I willing to pay for these earnings, these sales, and this forward PE of 147 times? It's pretty pricey to buy it here um, with these uh, fundamentals when I'm asking how much. There's there's nothing on sale about about this company right now as an owner. But our discussions on StockTwits did not end there um, because, you know, it's one thing for a growth investor to say, I feel like the growth is there. I'm seeing, um, you know, strong uh, sales growth. They're opening up a ton of these. Um, and then I, I took a look at the sales growth just to kind of see where that's been going. And I looked from 2016. So they... They grew sales uh, or revenue 40% in 2016, 33% in 2017, 28% in 2018. Another 28.4% is expected here in 2019. And then 2020 is 25%. Now that's you know going down, but I don't even see that as a negative because they're starting from very small company, they're growing it. You, you're not going to maintain that same sales growth as the company grows. You're still getting 25%, which is huge in the restaurant industry for just revenue growth. Um, so I don't mind even that, but they didn't even argue that. They had to argue that I was wrong because of Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because Amazon, after all, had no earnings and awful fundamentals for all those years. So Shake Shack could be like Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So again, like don't try to argue fundamentals with a value investor. If you're a growth investor, argue the growth, but don't argue the fundamentals side that it's cheap somehow or it's okay to ignore the fundamentals because of Amazon. Because to me, that's 
using Amazon as an example is a crutch. That's an intellectually weak argument to always use Amazon for every overpriced stock. And I see it happen more than just this example with Shake Shack. It's always back to, well, Amazon was awful all those years. And Amazon traded with a PE of 600 times. And Amazon did it, so all these will too. But a restaurant chain is not Amazon. (laughs) And they're not, I don't believe, going to invent the cloud anytime soon and make billions of dollars off of that. So so it's not. That's a bad um, you know, example to be using if you're trying to argue the fundamentals. You basically lost the argument if you have to resort to but Amazon as your argument. So the Shake Shack fans that I encountered on StockTwits are speculators, and that's fine. It's fine to admit you are a trader and and be one, but then just own it. And um, say that you looked at that chart at the end of December and you thought it was great for a turnaround. You bought it. You're right in this rally. It's up 83%. Good for you. Admit you don't care what those same shack sales are. Admit you don't care that they're only going to make 62 cents or that it has a PE of 147. That's fine. That's where we get the difference between investors and speculators. But um, don't. Don't tell the investor that they're wrong because, remember, investing is not the chart. It's owning the actual business because I was not wrong on the fundamentals about Shake Shack. I never said that they were bad at at all, although those same store sales were a little bit uh, shaky there for a little while. And they're, you know, pretty decent now. Not the greatest, but pretty decent And all I did was ask Ben Graham's question of how much. And at the end of December 2018, for me, because I have tracked this stock for a while, then even then uh, it was just too, too much for me to pay. Even for those shares in December 2018, like I said, it was trading at 59 times still then. And I didn't I don't believe the growth is good enough. And those same store sales are going to be good enough for me to buy at even at that point, let alone right here. There are other restaurant stocks I feel I can get much cheaper that have the better fundamentals that I'm looking for. And that's also a tip from Graham that he gives in this first chapter of the book. And he talks about how it's not that hard to identify stocks that are undervalued or at least have more value in them than these ones that the speculators are all going into. So Shake Shack is clearly not one of the ones that a value investor would be looking at. It's just not. So, um, you know, we're not going to pay that much attention to it. The growth investors get all anxious about that and are like, why not? Why aren't you noticing it? Look at that chart. And that's where the conflict always comes in, right, between growth and value investors. But um, there are other restaurant chains out there, and some of them are actually performing much better than what Shake Shack is doing, even though they were solid. So remember, investors are owners. We own for longer than a week or a month. We may own for years. We may own for decades. The speculators are the short term. They're, they are looking at that chart. They're, quote, trading the chart, unquote. That's okay. Um, there's plenty of traders out there, but know who you are. Know which one you are. 
Now, Ben Graham does believe that investors will win in the end over the long term. I do, too. After all, Buffett is a billionaire by buying insurance and bank stocks, pretty much, and, of course, Coca-Cola. So um, he didn't do anything that was, you know, real tricky or um, crazy. He just kept with the basic plan as laid out by Ben Graham, basically. And as value investors, if you're looking at the restaurants, there are other restaurant chains that have more value than Shake Shack. I don't know if we can find any cheap ones out of the top names, however, like Dirt Cheap. They are cheaper than what Shake Shack is, but Dirt Cheap, I don't know. But I'm going to look at a couple of them now and um, put the analysis that Ben Graham has kind of laid out there for us so far. I'm not later on in the book where he will go deeper into the analysis, but just based on the tips he's given in the introduction and talking about investing versus speculating, I took a look at the top restaurant chains. These are the ones that I believe are the kings of the restaurant right now. They have the best same-store sales growth, and um, that's not easy to do especially for some of these that have been around for decades to still be growing five, six, seven percent on same store sales is super impressive and very innovative actually. So let's get right into like what who's the competitors to Shake Shack here. So the first one has to be Chipotle, ticker CMG. They're back on the scene and they seemingly have bounced back now from their PR disasters that they had there for a couple of years. But looking at this one, it's not really cheap enough for me, and it never was even during the PR times for me as a value investor looking at value fundamentals. The growth investors should have been all over it during those PR uh, difficult years, but um, as value, I just never went down there, and those same-store sales were not good enough, and even the PE and some other stuff. So where are they right now? So these shares are really up big too, just like Shake Shack. They're up 84% year-to-date, but because of what happened with the shares selling off big in, in those PR issues, they are um, still trailing over the five-year period. So they're up 16.9%. That's it over five years. And that's versus 47.4% now for the S&P 500. So you're really trailing. And given what it did in the years prior to that, when Chipotle was one of the best performing stocks out there, this is a real disappointment over the last five years. They also don't pay a dividend. So for those of us who are investors, it's it's hard to hold on and justify staying in a stock that's not paying me a dividend for my patients and it's underperforming this badly over five years. But again, it's, it's no longer um, in the doghouse, so to speak, but it is trading at 59 times. Um, its peg is 3.2, so that's not real cheap there either. I did look at sales growth with them uh, because that's where they've always shined. And on sales, okay, going back to 2016 again, they were... Um, they were down 13.3% that year. That's the year they had the issues. Then they rebounded in 2017, up 14.6%. Then 2018, not so great, which is why the shares, you know, 
still weren't that doing much then, only up 8.7%, which is not that great for them for what they've been able to do in the past. But 2019, we're starting to see a little bit going back to their double-digit sales growth trend, up 12.6 and then up again, expected to be up again 12% next year. So you do get double-digit earnings or a sales growth here, which you don't see with that many restaurant chains. And so that's why people are willing to pay the 59 times to get these shares. But I just feel like that's still too high a price for me to pay for that kind of growth. But ask yourself as an investor, always ask that question, how much? Um, Reading this book has really driven that home to me, how much am I paying for those earnings and that sales? And right now with Chipotle, it's still pretty high for us value investors at least. Then I took a look at Domino's. Now I called them the king of the restaurants while Chipotle was having its issues because they really were. They were growing same store sales at double digits, which is impressive for a chain that's been around since the 1960s. Yeah, they, they uh, reinvented themselves in the last 10 years by uh, putting out a better crust, basically, and sauce. That was the first reinvention. And then they were the first to get an app, uh, all their own, a delivery app that showed you know how long it was taking to make the pizza and um, when you'd get your order. And that really drove sales. Now they also have a loyalty program. I feel like that might be driving a lot of sales too. So Domino's really has been operating on all cylinders. I used to own Domino's a couple of years ago. But um, I sold it and I always kind of regretted it. But Domino's shares haven't been doing much over the last year. And so over the last year, they're actually down 11.9%. Year to date, they're down 1.4%. So they've been kind of treading water and not going anywhere. And maybe that's because they had a tremendous run in the shares up until that point, up until recently. And investors might now be asking, you know, the Ben Graham question, how much? How much am I willing to pay for these shares now, now that they're very pricey? So the PE is still 25 on them. The PEG is 1.7. They do pay a dividend, though. It's yielding 1.1%. So you do get something for hanging out in these shares over the last year. If you're a long-term investor and you're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. But I do feel like the street is now asking what will be the next great thing. The same store sales are down off of those double digits because no restaurant chain can continue to do double digits year after year after year. (laughs) They just cannot. And certainly not one that's been around for as long as Domino's and that sells pizza. So their comps are still really strong in the mid single digits. But um, it's not the double digits you used to see. So investors are starting to ask, what am I paying to get these shares? So I did take a look at their revenue growth, too. And it is expected to dip down this year in 2019. So um, in 2016, I have that they did 11.5%. I think that's right. My writing is a little crazy. And then they did 127 in 2017. And then 2018, they really blew it out with 23% revenue growth in 2018. But 2019, again, year over year, it's hard to do another double digits after 23% the prior year. Only expected 5.1 this year. But 
um, rebounding a bit in 2020, back to 8.3. So these are still tremendous numbers. I still consider Domino's to be the one to beat in certainly in pizza, but even in all of the restaurant space, if these shares continue to slide or weaken further, um, you know, and and break down instead of breaking out, then us value investors will be kind of snooping around in this one, right? Because we will ask this question, how much are we paying for these earnings and this future growth of this chain? Okay, switching to another hot chain, but it always it wasn't the last couple of years, Starbucks, ticker SBUX. I do own this one in my own personal portfolio, but I did buy um, numerous years ago. I don't even know. It's in one of my retirement funds, but it it went nowhere. This was dead money for three years until this year, where now the shares are up 48% year to date as they've finally broken out of that three-year dead money phase and are now taking off. It does pay a dividend, so you were rewarded for holding if you are a long-term investor here. used to yield about 3%, but now that the shares have taken off and they're not as cheap, the dividend yield is now down to just 1.5%. So, um, you know, for a couple of years there, investors in Starbucks literally were not going anywhere. And then they were basically just getting some shares through the dividend and, you know, waiting. So... um, its chart is really interesting, and I encourage people to go check that out. People have definitely been asking how much to pay for these shares, and that could also be a reason why it was dead money for three years, because it had gotten a little pricey three years ago, and people started to ask, you know, yes, and I'm not paying that much for these shares. But they're given this big run, they're no longer even as cheap as they used to be. The PE now is 33 times. The PEG is at 2.6. Sales don't look too bad on this one, um, considering that they're pretty much a mature company. Um, I have sales growth. Um, it has fallen from 11.2% in 2016, and then it went to 5% in 2017. So you can see kind of maybe why the shares were going nowhere, because they weren't that cheap. And then you had sales on the decline. But they did rebound in 2018 to 10.4%. And now back to the single digits, but given that last year was pretty hot at 10.4, they're not probably going to be able to repeat that. But sales growth expected to be up 6.7% this year and 7.5% next year. Um, That's not too bad. But again, I do think investors are going to start to ask on this one, um, how much are we willing to pay for this sales growth and these this earnings growth? And that will be something to watch here with Starbucks and this rally that they're in. Can it uh, keep rallying? Can it keep this momentum? Or will the market start asking that key question? Um, and then switching over to the final restaurant that uh, it's never totally gone out of style, but it has had a rocky road here and there for sure. And it's McDonald's, ticker MCD. It's back with some momentum now, though. Um, year to date, these shares are up 22.4%. They've gotten a recent pop off their earnings. One year, though, they're up 39.25%. That is pretty huge for uh, a chain, a brand that's been around for 50 years now. 
and um, keeps reinventing itself just when you think, oh, no, nobody's going to want to go there anymore <laughs> other than to eat its delicious French fries. It, um, you know, bring, rolls out coffee or it um, manages to keep breakfast being served all day long. And that's a huge success. And so it keeps uh, reinventing itself here. But you're not getting it cheap either. The PE now is 26.7 times, which is pretty pricey because these sales, I know the PE is on earnings, but these sales are um, up, expected to be up just 0.5% here in 2019 and just 2.9% in 2020. It is a more mature company, which is built out obviously um, worldwide now, kind of. It's still opening up some new restaurants, of course, but not nearly the growth trajectory as uh, a Shake Shack or a Chipotle that are much younger companies. So I did take a look at McDonald's uh, revenue growth, though, since 2016. So they had a couple rocky years in there for sure. 2016 revenue declined 3.1%. It was down again in 2017, 7.3. It was down again in 2018, down another 7.9. Only here, 2019 expected to be up 0.5, not even 1%, just 0.5. And then 2020, 2.9. But the street always likes these turnaround stories. In a play where suddenly the negative trend is now positive and now they're growing those sales again. Not easy to do for a company of this size, um, as I said, and a much more mature restaurant chain than these other ones we've been talking about. Even more mature than Starbucks here, which um, has also been around for a while. It seems like forever though, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, so that's kind of the story on the restaurant chains. I did not look at the quote unquote cheapest by PE because I wanted to look at the ones that are at the top of their game here because as an investor, these are the ones we may want to own. Um, and then we have to ask ourselves, you know, how much are we willing to pay to get those that are at the top of their game? And um, right now, um, would I put Shake Shack at the top of the game? No. Uh, the other four are definitely at the top. Shake Shack is among the top, however, kind of up there. And But they need to prove a couple more quarters that they're able to sustain some of the same Shack sales growth that they've been showing. And then I might change my mind a little bit on them. But, um, you know, it's, it's easy to shine a quarter or two for restaurant chains, but not so easy to do it consistently quarter after quarter after quarter, which we've seen now with Domino's especially. And now Chipotle may be back on that trajectory of also doing it, which they did before they had their um, big PR and, um, you know, other issues a couple of years ago. So that's what's rewarded as being the best in the business. And Shake Shack's almost there, but not quite. So you have to ask yourself, how much am I willing to pay as an investor, not a speculator, as an investor to get these earnings and the sales growth? And then you have to decide if that's um, 
okay with you, if that's up your alley, no other real formula can tell you if it is or not. Yes, there's the value formulas of the PE ratio, price to book, price to sales, if you're looking for something really cheap on those ratio fundamentals. But if you're just looking for you know cheapness within the industry or value within the industry itself, then that's a slightly different question to ask. So here, I would say that maybe the most value is with something like Domino's, especially if it continues to pull back, that PE falls further because remember, that's also Benjamin Graham um, tip that he gave in the intro is that stocks that are in the decline are less risky than those that are going the other way, even though our brain doesn't think like that, because you are getting it cheaper. And some of the um, worries are now being priced in if it's on the decline. Uh, And everyone else has fled it, basically. So I'm going to be watching Domino's and all these names because I do like the restaurant stocks. As I said, I do own Starbucks in my own personal portfolio as a long-term hold. And um, I do like this sector because there is growth there. And a lot of these businesses know what they're doing and their brands are really strong. So let me recap those tickers again. We had Shake Shack, S-H-A-K. Chipotle is C-M-G. Starbucks, S-B-U-X. Domino's, D-P-Z. And McDonald's is M-C-D. And as always, I'm going to be bringing you more value stocks every week. And I'm going to be bringing you more tips from the intelligent investor and just the world of value investing in general. Uh, So you don't want to miss a single episode. Get us on SoundCloud. Uh, We are there under the Zach's Market Edge logo, though. Two for one deal over there. And we are a standalone show on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and a couple other platforms, too. But just look for us under the value investor name and you will find us. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.